Hey guys, what's up? And welcome to the 20-something podcast. I'm Mary Hannah. And I'm Tiana. And today we have the lovely Ruth Wiggins on with us. She is the founder of Johnny and Rue. Seriously, you guys go check her out on Instagram at Johnny and Rue. It's literally like the most beautiful Instagram feed I've ever seen in my life. And she seriously, let me just like say this real quick. She is so good at like curating her feed and like making mm-hmm. you want to buy her clothes. Like, oh yeah. Wow. Queen of making me want to buy stuff. Ruth yes. <laughs> yeah. So pretty much we're just going to be talking to her about how she got started and having a conversation about sustainability and thrifting and how important that is to the environment and say no to fast fashion. Because we do not stand fast fashion. Truly. Yeah, and Tiana um, actually just got hired at a vintage store. I did. I just got hired at um, the Vintage Twin, which is a the world's first vintage brand. And it is in Soho. So I'm very excited. I'm mostly just excited because they're giving me clothes. Yeah, I was about to say. <laughs> like, we know why you're really excited. <laughs> but honestly, I didn't know that I was getting clothes until last night. So, um, yeah. No, like, that's why I want to work at, like, Anthropology. Because of the discount. Yeah. No. They give you 60% off. Oh, that? Like, I'm sorry? That is so good. Don't you get that discount off at Urban, too, if you work there? Yeah, you get you get forty percent off at Urban and Free People. That's insane. That's a lot because Urban is yes, they're all so expensive. Anthropology is so expensive. Mm -hmm. But man, yeah, I don't know. Um, I'm also going to apologize if y'all hear any dogs barking. Uh oh, we're we're babysitting Cohen this weekend and like. Oh my gosh, he's gotten so big. Aw. So cute. I love him so much. I get to go see my brother's dog tomorrow, and I'm so excited. That dog is so cute, too. I know. I haven't seen her since Monday, and I know she misses (gasps) me because I'm, like, her favorite person. Her mom. (laughs) I really am. She loves me so much. I feel like she's going to be bigger, too. She's still really tiny, but it's because the biggest she gets is, like, 20 pounds, and oh, she's wow. like, when we got her, she was four. So, oh my gosh, like, if anything, that's she's so probably small. like five pounds by now because she's just <laughs> not going to get that big. That's so cute. I have a really bad puppy fever right now. Oh, me too. But and like, I just like, I, I can't have a puppy, but I really want a dog. I know, I know. I'm like, okay, I need to wait. And also, my mom is like, you literally can't have a dog. You're in college. Yeah, that was my mom's thing and now she's just like you can't have a dog you're young and I'm like what <laughs> like when like when can I <laughs> like and now I'm kind of I'm like like I know that I like shouldn't but I definitely can do it you know what Ruth has a dog we should ask her about it oh yeah we should yeah let's talk about that okay. you know what this won't be a starving artist episode this will just be about dogs mm-hmm. okay yeah good idea Oh, um, update on, not really an update, just an announcement, PSA, season three of Selling Sunset is on Netflix. I heard. I started watching it yesterday, and oh. (laughs) I haven't even finished the first season, so. Okay, but it's so good. The only reason why, I, I watched like five episodes yesterday, because I was embroidering, so I was just like, 
mm-hmm. only half paying attention, but they talk about Chriselle's divorce. Which one is she? She's like the newer one in season one. She's a new okay. girl. Yeah, it's just and ridiculous. like some of them didn't really like her, or the one girl didn't like her. Christine. Yeah, Christine is a B, but yeah, she seems like it. She's scary, honestly. She gets scarier as the seasons go on. Oh, really? I was like, she doesn't seem scary. She just seems like she's annoying. Yes, like, oh my gosh. Season two, I feel like, is when, like, she kind of gets really scary. Yeah, and the way that she dresses is just very, like, out there, too. Hmm. And, like, like, I'm the bad. Huh. Interesting. Yes. Yes. I wonder if she's a four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. Because <laughs> if she like dresses really out there, and then like she gets really mad if somebody's gonna like take her like uniqueness, you know. I don't know if it's her uniqueness. I just think oh, that just she just likes drama. <laughs> oh, that's very four too, though. Yeah, that's true. Well, okay, I don't know. That's a four wing three, and that's like, that's like. That would be which one? Which sub? Sub whatever. Yeah, that would be like sec- the sexual one. Yeah. Subtypes are so important for fours and sixes. Yeah. No, yeah, I was gonna say that's not whatever type you are, but I do know fours that are like that. Yeah, that are very just like, and they kind of just the like, typical like the stereotypical four. Yeah, and you just sort of like like I love them so much, but like I'll just like come in one day and they're just bawling, and I'm like, why are you bawling? And they're like. Balling is in like crying and like they're like <laughs> <You're> balling <laughs> <laughs> and they like really have no reason and I'm like why are you crying and starting something we have nothing to cry about stop crying <laughs> yeah I'm not like that at no, all. I'm so glad you're not I don't I don't know if we could do the podcast if you did I know we would not be as good of friends <laughs> if yeah. I was like that I would just get so tired I would be like okay I love you but I'm drained I would get Bye. tired of me too <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so I guess let's just start off with you telling us a little bit about yourself and how you got to where you are today. Oof. Which is kind of like a long question. No, it's good. So I've lived on this planet for 23 years. Um, (laughs) I will say, and I apologize in advance, I have bronchitis. Um, Oh, I'm so sorry. No, it's okay. If you hear me give a petty uh, cough, that's, I don't have coronavirus. Um, <laughs> but not that that would, you know, you can't get it through. I mean, at least I don't think phone, you can yeah. get it through the phone. Um, yeah. So man, wow. So I was born in Franklin, Tennessee. Um, my parents, my dad was in the music business. Um, and then he became a worship pastor and we moved to Southern California where I kind of grew up. Um, I lived in Riverside, which is just South of Los Angeles, but North of San Diego. Um, my it's brother a- lives around there. Oh, right actually. on. Yeah, he lives in Carlsbad. Oh, okay, yeah, 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 that's awesome. Okay, that was random, but anyways, continue. I love <laughs> it. No, it's cool, because a lot of people don't know where that is, so. Um, yeah. And when when anyone ever is like, oh, I'm from Southern California, I'm like, where? And they're like, oh, I'm from, like, Temecula or, like, something. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, I do know where that is. And they're like, oh, it's so exciting. Anyway, okay, <laughs> so, because um, only, people only really know, like, L.A. and Riverside yes, is not LA. Right. Anyone who's been out there is it's not the California dream uh kind of place, but it it's yeah. it was a really fun place to grow up and uh and I'm very thankful. Um so I lived there for like ten years. 
Um, and then when I was a junior in high school, my family decided to move to Memphis, which in my mind was like moving to the middle of nowhere. <laughs> and I was like, we're going where? Like, oh my gosh, like, am I going to be like, um, going to go to a country school? Um, <laughs> and it, you know, it's like your junior year. So you're kind of like, you're thinking right. you're going to make a big move, but like in two years, like not in the middle of everything. Um, so I, I did, I moved to Memphis with my family and, uh, it was a very interesting time of my life personally, a lot of like very much like culture change. Um, mm-hmm. I don't like to use the word culture shock cause I think that that makes it sound way more dramatic than it really was, but it was really hard, um, on me and my family. And, um, it was very interesting to kind of start new in a place knowing you were going to leave in two years. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and to graduate from uh, a private school when I was very used to like the big 4,000 kid public school that I was going to and uh, wearing uniforms, which is still weird to me. I just am not a fan. <laughs> um, and, uh, and so, um, yeah, very, that was a very uh, transitional period of, of, of my life. And then I ran cross country and track through high school and college and so I went from um, Briarcrest to the University of Arkansas, where I ran for two years. And that is kind of like what I would consider the most personally pivotal um, time of my life was was those first two years. I kind of, uh, I, I got injured my first semester. Um, I started dating somebody who lived in Nashville. Um, I started like going through a lot of personal change with my beliefs and with um, like what I wanted to do with my life and uh, being an undeclared major uh, full-time student athlete. It was, it was just, it was a lot of identity crisis <laughs> yeah. yeah. and, um, and, you know, kind of to, to handle all of that um, for the most part on my own, but also very influenced by my family. And so I went to therapy for the first time, which I love to talk about mental health it's extremely important to me personally and I think to everyone same yes. Yes. we yeah. love to talk about yeah mm-hmm. so um that was kind of where I started you know in in a, in a very cheesy way of saying it but it was kind of when I started to find who I really was and and name a lot of the struggles that I had been uh walking through my whole life and actually go oh no this is uh this is worth diving into and mm-hmm. exploring and uh um and so how that kind of ties into where I am now is um, that was probably other than 2020, <laughs> one of the <laughs> hardest years of my life was 20, uh, 2018, 2017. Um, and uh, but very, uh, very productive as far as like, OK, that hurt. But like it, it pushed me forward to, to who I am and what I believe. And um, and I started Johnny and Rue when I was a uh, sophomore in college. I didn't have uh, any creative outlet, um, and I realized in therapy <laughs> that that I couldn't just, like, you know, turn off my emotions and, like, become a machine and just go to class and run. I, I needed, mm-hmm. as a four on the Enneagram, a four, we'll go there, too. Um, uh, I needed, like, something to give my life uh, a purpose. I needed to make something, and I was just going to thrift stores, Um and more for therapy than anything, uh, I realize I have, uh, I find a lot of solace when I can just like turn my brain off and like go shopping. Uh, but not in the sense of like, oh, I want to buy a bunch of stuff. I 
just really like to go look at things. And when I was at thrift stores, it was like, oh, I find like the coolest stuff. And like, what, what, what can I do with this? And somebody needs this somewhere. Um, like this wouldn't fit me or this wouldn't work with me, but like somebody needs this. And so that's kind of when I started doing that. And uh, uh, then I transferred from the University of Arkansas and moved to Nashville, uh, went to Belmont for a year, uh, was a part of their design program, their apparel design program. And um, I kind of realized that I, I just couldn't take, I couldn't take the split life anymore. Like I couldn't take like the student athlete versus the creative entrepreneur. Like I couldn't do it all anymore. And I was just emotionally and mentally um, exhausted. I was probably the height of my anxiety. Um, and, uh, and so I was like, I just, I need to be done for now. So I dropped out and um, I walked away from a full ride scholarship to Belmont um, running wow. and uh, <laughs> to the to the dismay of my family. <laughs> <dismay of> my family. <laughs> They're like, what are you doing? I was like, I just, I can't, I can't like pretend that I want to do this anymore. And mm -hmm. I have these right. people who are providing me this opportunity. And I, I felt very much like I was lying to them. Yes. I felt very much like mm -hmm. I was like, I, I'm not in this the way that you need me to be in this. And I, I would love to just take this money and, and get an education. But, um, I just, I can't do what it is that you want me to do anymore. And uh, so that was really difficult. It was the first massive life change decision that I have made completely on my own. And it has been the best thing that I've ever done for myself. Um, so now I live across the street from Belmont, quite literally, the building. The Jack <laughs> is literally my front yard. And um I always tell people it's kind of like living across the street from your ex-husband, um, but you oh still gosh. connect. You still connect to their Wi-Fi. Oh uh, heck yeah! Oh nice. <laughs> so um, anyway, yeah. So I, I am still in the area. I love the area, um, and so that is that's where I am in this very moment. Oh, that's awesome! Kind of swinging back to the whole Enneagram Four thing. Mm -hmm. Before I move on, I'm also a four. I think a good lesson for like our listeners who are kind of in the same boat or maybe in a transition period, like mm -hmm. you said, walking away, from, like what everyone else might have seen as the best thing. Mm -hmm. You felt like you were lying to yourself. Mm -hmm. And like as a four, 12 are fours out there. That is so hard to like yeah. not feel like you're like doing what you want to do or like who you're supposed to be. Um, yeah, the way I kind of explained it to to my parents at one point was um, uh, they were like, well, you have this dream set up. This is the dream set up. And I said, yes, yeah. but, the, but the dream set up to the wrong person is a living nightmare. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 And that's woof, that's how it felt. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, kind of going off of that. Did you always see yourself doing something like this or mm. did it kind of just happen? It's actually hilarious. I was thinking the other day um, when I first started uh, looking at like majors, um, any cross country and track runner will tell you that they consider kinesiology at some point. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> because yes. they're like, I run, I, I like go to therapy, yeah. I go to physical therapy all the time and I know a lot about this. So maybe I'll do this. So at first I was like, yeah, I'll do like something with science. And my dad mentioned to me, why don't you do, do, why don't you do fashion design? And I looked at him and I was like, 
I hate the word fashion, first of all. I just really don't like the word. It just sounds like um, <laughs> Sharpay Evans or something. Yes. I just don't love the, the word. So I was like, ooh, no, mm-hmm. I don't want to be a fashion. That's so superficial. That's so, like, not what I want to do. Um, which it's not, by the way, to anyone listening. It's That was just a high school Ruth being extremely <laughs> uh, cynical. But um, so it's funny. I actually really didn't consider doing anything with clothing. And even today, I don't. I don't see what I do about clothing. I see yeah. what I do about people and um, and our planet. And so clothing has just been my gateway to to doing that. Um, and I do love what I do. I love, I, I mean, I play dress up all day on Monday and Wednesday every week and it's fun. And I, you know, dance around my mu- room with music and I, you know, get to sell these pieces to people. But, uh, and I do love that part of it. But no, I really, I really I didn't know. I, I kind of think I, I maybe always would have done something entrepreneurial. I think that is in me to do that, but I didn't know it. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. Do you feel like your weeks look the same? Like, mm-hmm. as, um, what should we call it? Like, as an entrepreneur, like, do you feel like every day is different or is it kind mm-hmm. of the same? Um, well, it depends on what day it is, I guess. Um, ultimately no, because I am, um, although as a four, (laughs) let's break it down as a four (laughs) in growth, I lean towards a one. So I do really enjoy, um, when things are kind of like set up, like, yes, this is nice. I'm checking off my boxes and, and I kind of have like a vague, like I make checklists in my phone all day, all the time. Um, just to be like, okay, I can see what it is that I have to do this week or my financial goals or, um, you know, I want to accomplish this. So I kind of have like a vague, this is what needs to happen. Um, but no day is necessarily the same except for, uh, Wednesdays and Fridays, which is when I shoot photos and I post and I sell, um, those are relatively structured days, but, um, every other day it's very like, all right, what, just, what do I need to accomplish today? Do I need to go thrifting? Do I need to do something around the house? Do I need to, actually lock myself, you know, in my room without doing work, <laughs> you yeah. know, like, what is it, what is it that I need to do today? Um, and I have, a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a single mother of a, of a five month old puppy. Um, and he, <laughs> oh he keeps things extremely interesting as well. So, um, yeah, it's definitely, it's a yes and no, I think to that one. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Wait, what kind of dog do you have? I have a border collie. <laughs> he has an Instagram. It's oh. hello Wilco. And, um, I, I only made an Instagram because I always said I would never be this person, but I had so much <laughs> stuff that I was like, Pete, the world needs this. Yes. To, the, to see how cute he is. Oh yeah. And my own Instagram, I was like, people are going to just be so annoyed <laughs> by how much I post about my dog. And, um, and so I was like, all right, I, I wanted to like document and like, it's so much easier to just put it in an Instagram than like save everything on your phone. Yeah. Um, Right, so, yeah. uh, yeah, he's, uh, he's, uh, in the teenager phase for mm-hmm. sure. So oh, very yeah. much like he'll, he will literally give me side eye. Like he will look at me, he'll turn his head and look at me from the side. Like, I ain't going to do that. I'm like, yes, you are. <laughs> you're going to come over here. And he's like, I don't see a treat. I'm like, oh my gosh, you're going to get over here. But he's a good boy. Oh, that's so sweet. My cool. sister like just got a golden retriever. 
mm. a few weeks ago. And my brother yeah. just got yeah. a Yeah, so we got so. new puppies in the fam. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Border Collies are, not to talk about them for a second, but, like, Border Collies are, they're, like, considered the most intelligent dog, which sounds like I'm bragging about my son, like, an annoying parent. <laughs> but really, I mean, he is, he's sweet, but everything's a game. So, like, a, a I would mm-hmm. think a... Cause I looked at uh, golden retrievers before I mm-hmm. got him and, um, and they're just, I look at them as puppies. I'm like, you're so calm compared to <laughs> this monster who is like, always got to be doing something. I could talk about dogs. Mm-hmm. No, seriously. Like, I would start a puppy <laughs> Literally, podcast for sure. I'm so obsessed <laughs> with dogs. Like my brother's dog is, I think she's nine weeks mm-hmm. old, maybe nine and a half now I'm not sure we got her when she was eight weeks old and we haven't had her yeah. that long but I say we like yeah. as if she's also mine but she is a miniature labradoodle and uh, she's so tiny oh. and like I'm just like every time I see her I'm just like you're a real oh yeah for sure and, and so soft they're so, so soft cute. when they're puppies too mm-hmm. yes oh my gosh I never want her to like grow up I wish she was like a yeah. toy <laughs> yeah. labradoodle yeah. so that she would just be small yeah. forever oh my gosh <laughs> but that's so fun. You need to start making dog clothes to start selling. <laughs> oh my goodness. My brother would oh buy my them. Gosh. My brother would buy them because he's obsessed with her and he like is always looking for dogs. Your brother is such a dad. Me. Such a dog <laughs> He's father. so dad. Yeah. It's cute. <laughs> okay. Well, anyways. Um, do you feel like – because I feel like selling on Instagram is kind of like a newer thing because, mm. I mean, just think back like – People used to use like eBay and stuff. Mm. So going into this, yeah, how did you start? Did you start it like with Instagram? Did you do it in person? Yeah, yeah. Um, so when I uh, was at Arkansas, I had uh, some friends who were uh, a-, a couple of different friends who were like I saw going to thrift stores and posting. Um, just like on hangers or like just standing, you know, against like a wall or something, just like very simple, like mm-hmm. you can buy this or you can bid on it. And I was like, cause I'd seen like a lot of people like make Instagrams for their own closet sales. That's kind of where it all started. Yeah, it was right. like, you've got an Instagram for your closet sale and you don't, you know, it's kind of genius cause you're not paying any, um, like, uh, third party fees. Right. Um, Mm-hmm. or anything like that and uh you can kind of like sell to somebody that you know um and uh so I was kind of like you know I was walking around one day and I remember calling my mom and being like what if I did this and at this point in my life you got to understand my parents were very like don't do anything other than focus on school and run because my grades mm-hmm. were tanked and running was killing me <laughs> so they were like if you just you know focus on these things bite the bullet you know so it was very surprising yeah. to me when my mom was like you should totally do that wow and oh, um wow. and so I was like all right you know and I have a friend his name is Tanner and he's a photographer up in northwest Arkansas and uh I you know kind of texted him was like hey I have like these you know I had a hundred dollars left in my name and I spent it all at a thrift store and um I was like hey uh I have these pieces I kind of want to take some Cause I'm in my mind, I'm like, we could take this to the next level. Like, what if we did like a professional photo shoot and like, we actually made it like a company and like, you know, we did like this sort of thing. And, um, and there were definitely, this is not an original idea necessarily. Like this is very much like I'd seen people doing, Mm I was like, I I could do that. Like, um, I know photographers and I could just model the clothes for, for, uh, for now. And so 
I met with him and we started taking photos and um, I just put everything on Instagram. Uh, each individual post was like the, a different piece and I would do five at a time. And immediately like stuff was selling in like 30 minutes. And I was like, oh, and this is like, I'm a college student and I couldn't get a job. So to make 200 bucks in an afternoon was like, wait, what? <laughs> right. <laughs> like, yeah. wait, and it was a lot of work going into it, um, for sure. Mm-hmm. And, and upfront costs and stuff like that. And I, at that point, I wasn't thinking about any of those things. I was just thinking, oh my gosh, I'd posted these things and people are actually responding. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's kind of like where it started. It's it's definitely always been on Instagram. So, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I love that. Okay. I kind of have a question mm-hmm. and I feel like you might have hit it a little bit early mm-hmm. on just kind of talking about being at home. You said like figuring out if you should block yourself in your room mm-hmm. and not do anything. Mm-hmm. As someone who is, I am just now sort of getting into like running, mm-hmm. like well, I'm really running a million things at once, but I am also like, as an artist, like, like essentially trying to like sell myself Mm. in, Mm. in the city. And it's been so great, but also like, so exhausting Mm. because I'm really bad at turning it Mm. off. And like, when I have free time, I'm like, okay, I have free time. Let me fill it with this and that will get something done. So how do you kind of find the work-life balance Mm. of like, when you are in charge of yourself and you do a lot of what you do from home, like how do you turn it off and just like relax? Right. Like what's your best advice? Okay. Yes. So this is my favorite question. Thank you for asking it because this is where, <laughs> this is where mental health ties into what I do. Yes. And, um, and I, I think it's threefold. Um, I think first do not underestimate if you're a creative entrepreneur or you're someone who's like, I want to do, I want to live my life's passion and make money doing it. Do not underestimate that the moment the thing you love becomes your job, it becomes a different kind of hard because your identity is in some way going to feel wrapped up in what you do Mm -hmm. um, because you love it so much. It's like you're, it's like moving from a dating relationship to being married to it. It's like you're moving into a different level of commitment and expectation and dependence on this thing that was once kind of like fun. Mm -hmm. And, um, and you might still like, I still love what I do, but there are days (laughs) where I want to throw my computer out the window because I just can't take it anymore. (laughs) Um, so it's that, you know, don't underestimate that. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and know that like you would need time away from your spouse or like you would need time away from this person you're in a relationship with, not that I'm married, but from what I understand as an analogy, (laughs) Um, uh, like you need time away from that. You need time away from your work. You need time away from that thing that you love to keep loving it. Um, Where that becomes different Mm -hmm. or where that becomes difficult um, is when you are working from home. And I'm sure more than just, you know, creative entrepreneurs are are dealing with this now because a lot of people are working from home is um, separating that rest space from your workspace is so hard if you like me I live in my workspace um I my that backdrop is a wall that's built in my room all of my clothes I'm sitting next to they're all over my bed my computer is on my desk you know it's like I do everything in this Mm -hmm. one space I I rent a room in a house with other people um when I first dropped out 
and I was spending all of my time at home, um, it was so hard because to lay down next to work was to felt lazy. It felt like I should be up and working. I should be doing, you know, it wasn't like I could shut it off and go home and like be in my space and not think about work. It was like, it's, it's the moment I get up and the moment I go to sleep, it's there. Um, right. and there was one night where I, I did have like a really bad panic attack where I like, I had my sewing machine in my hands and I was looking, I was in the second story and I was literally standing in front of the window. Like I, I don't <laughs> want to throw everything. And like one of my racks had fallen over. Like it was a whole, like the energy was just like through the roof of just frustration. Mm-hmm. And I had to like go and stay the night at my brother's house because I was like, I need to learn how to separate this. Um, so yeah. it's, it's, it's really hard. It's hard. Um, because I don't have any coworkers. I'm alone in my room when I work. I'm alone when I, you know, am thrifting. I, 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 I'm, I'm not necessarily an extrovert, but I need people. I need, you know, yeah. to be able, to, everyone needs people. Um, so those are all the things that are hard um, that I, I had to learn as I did it. I didn't, I didn't really, re- I was like, why am I so frustrated? Why am I so anxious? Why am I so lonely? It's like, well, you know, you're constantly, it's like yelling at you all the time. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, yeah. it's making me want to uh, run away from it. Um, when in reality, what I really needed was like, okay, I have to sense that I'm getting overwhelmed before I get overwhelmed and take a walk or go to a coffee shop or sit and meditate on my bed and close my eyes and just envision that I'm not where I am or go to the park with Wilco or, you know, like finding, finding ways to be like, this is not work, but it's productive for me. Like Mm -hmm. it's not work in the sense of it's not going to make me any money to do this, (laughs) but ultimately it's going to add to my, like my mind bank, if you will, um, getting there, uh, has taken a lot of time and I and Johnny and Rue I've I've done this in in so many different seasons of my life and so many different transitions and each season and transition it's looked like something else but it has increasingly become more and more and more integrated in not just my time but like my space Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I I know that was a really long answer. <laughs> no, that was yeah. so no, good. that was so good. But um, it is it's so important to to. Oh, I'm reading a book right now, um, called the uh, the Empaths Survival Guide. Um, it's very very good, and it's uh, empaths are people who are are sensitive, extremely sensitive people. Um, I think a lot of fours would resonate with, with empaths, um, mm, but they're not yes. just fours. <laughs> um, I'm a four and I'm a cancer. So if you go into that, I'm also just, I'm just built to cry a lot. Um, <laughs> but in this book, she, she talks about um, sensing when you're sensing that overwhelm and learning to respond and respect it and listen to it before you lose your mind, basically, before you break down. Um, And if you struggle with an anxiety disorder, uh, the way that I do, you know, you, you can sense it in your body, you're like, something is wrong. And I I can't really put a title on it. 
but I think I need to go either be alone or go sit with somebody and talk about it. Um, so yeah, it's all, that's all part of, um, being a productive person is, is learning how to, uh, not be so obsessed with the result, um, and know that being productive sometimes is, um, sitting and doing nothing. Yeah, no, that's good. I love yeah, that. I feel like, like most creatives I know struggle mm. with turning it off because I mm. think creatives have like such a drive to mm. make something beautiful and like mm-hmm. like we want people to see this and like this is important to us like mm-hmm. and we want it to be really important to other people too yeah. mm-hmm. and like it it almost feels like damaging to ourselves yeah. and we're like okay mm-hmm. let me go take care of myself real quick mm. when we would rather be creating and doing yeah um yeah. but I think it, the way you described it was really good by stepping away because I think even as like for me as a college student, I'm mm. like, oh, why am I not doing this? I'll work mm. on like, I'll make up projects for myself. Yeah. So I'll be doing like more because I'm like, I can't just sit here. Yes. <laughs> yeah. like, what am I doing? Like, yeah. I can I relax. <laughs> yeah. And I think there is definitely something to be said for um, uh, keeping your stride. Yeah, Um, because different seasons are going to going to be more demanding than others. And I think it's okay, like like during the summertime, making projects for yourself to kind of keep yourself like, yeah, like I need to keep up um, up and knowing that like, yeah, absolutely. And knowing that like you have full control over how much you give and how much Mm. something takes from you, you know, anything else can demand everything from you. But what you actually give it is completely up to you. Um, and sometimes it's rewarding to be like, this uh, is a f- kind of a fake thing. Um, and it's maybe it's busy work, but it's good for me. It's good for me to sit and draw, even right. though it's like nobody's telling me draw this. Right. Um, you know, and, and in a sense, even if you're like sitting there doing, you're not necessarily like, you know, you know, legs crossed with your um, little okay signs and saying ohm you know like you know yeah. that's that's not always the only kind of meditation um, yeah. sometimes meditating is is you know just shutting off the demand and just being like I want to do this so I'm gonna do mm-hmm. this yeah okay I, this is like kind of random but do you feel like you have another creative outlet other than this mm. so this is uh, probably the most demanding one and it's it's because I do everything, it feels like it's creative in many different ways. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm constant. I'm like, uh, I'm the buyer. I'm the merchandiser. I'm the, um, social media. I am the graphic design. I run logistics. I, you know what I mean? Like I, it pushes me creatively. Um, I think the biggest one for me right now that wouldn't necessarily, it's included in Johnny and Rue, but it's not necessarily, um, the mainstream <clears throat> of the platform, but is uh, I've been altering clothes and working more with my sewing machine. And uh, I'm hoping, I keep saying that I need to say it out loud so that I'll actually do it. Like maybe the world can keep me um, accountable, but I really want to design a line um, for next spring. Uh, so I'm, you know, I'm think like, that's kind of like my side project would be, uh, Hey, this is another avenue for me, um, but it's also uh, 
very difficult. So it's not like I'm really there yet to uh, be making my own clothes. But um, yeah, I guess I guess sewing would be probably would probably be that. I also write music, um, which I forget about. <laughs> I like it. It's kind of like that. I don't put it anywhere. Um, but I and I don't really record it. But I'm always like writing words or writing down lyrics or writing down poems but that's a lot less of uh I'm gonna sit down and do this and more like I just have notes upon notes in my in my phone of it's kind of like my journaling um yeah yeah I feel like that's been something really big for me since moving to New York was journaling Mm -hmm. like I've always been a journaler Mm -hmm. like always since like probably third grade but oh that's um, so good it's been like something that I've done anytime like I'm on the train a mm, lot right days. yeah um a lot a lot <laughs> and so I um that's I feel like when I'm at home I generally tend to be working on yeah. something so yeah. when I'm on the train there's no wi-fi there's no signal usually because you're underground and so I've found that that's like the best yeah. time to journal yeah. and just be with myself yeah. because you pop some headphones in you don't have to talk to anybody and you're just like you're more alone than you than like I think a lot of people yeah. realize when you're on the train, which is like really. I've nice. never been to New but, York, but like that's exactly how I imagine living in yes, New York. It's, it's uh, like so if I lived in New York, I would it. read. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, yes. <laughs> I've been reading so much, yeah. like so so yeah. much. So, I love it. Yeah. Okay. Um. So a lot of our listeners really wanted to kind of hear about how you find stuff and sort of how to shop like Mm -hmm. sustainably within like we've had a lot of stuff come out recently about fast fashion Mm. and all of that Mm -hmm. and so I think a lot of people are like trying to do better and so um just like tips for finding things at thrift stores because I think the the turnoff for a lot of people is they feel like they can't find anything Mm -hmm. and um tips for that tips for finding more companies like Johnny Rue that do that kind of do that work for yeah. you um what would you have to Ooh, give to this is listeners? my other favorite question um <laughs> because it ties in ethics <laughs> we, yes, love, we ethics. love to be ethical um so I so when I started Johnny and Rue I didn't necessarily start it thinking I'm gonna do something sustainable I I really liked the idea of um of recycling but um it was, it was kind of like based on that, like I was, uh, I didn't have very many friends and I wasn't making any money and uh, I didn't have a creative outlet. So it, it, it introduced me to people. It helped me connect with people. Um, and it gave me a creative outlet and an income. Um, so that's kind of how it started. Now, when I transferred to Belmont and I was a part of the, um, O'More School of Design, I took a class, um, and I don't even remember what the class was called, but it was the most eye-opening, like I had no idea this was going on. Um, I had no idea that um, fashion was the number one polluter uh, on our planet mm-hmm. by far. Um, and anyone who says it's oil, just know fashion uses so much oil. It's like, it is, it is insane. Um, and uh so that I didn't have any idea that that was going on. Um, I didn't know anything about global warming. I'd kind of grown up in a household that didn't believe in global warming. 
Um, and so it was kind of like, oh no, like that's not a real thing. Um, I didn't know (laughs) that. It's so terrifying. Um, yes. (laughs) Um, and, uh, I, I, you know, there was so much I didn't know and I learned so much so fast Mm -hmm. and I kind of tapped into this online community of people who are like fashion brands who were, um, either reselling or, promoting a product that was um, ethically sourced and sustainably made. Um, and I, I realized that before we can start to even think about um, changing the fast fashion industry or um, changing the fashion industry to a point where it's sustainable, we individually, it's not just that we have to like only wear cotton or only wear thrifted. Um, it's It's mm-hmm. not just that. We have to change the way that we see consumption and the way that we see what we need versus what we don't need versus what we want. Um, Because the reason these fast fashion brands are, there's nothing wrong with going in and buying a t-shirt. That action, it's like, yes, I needed a t-shirt. I bought a t-shirt. It's going in and being like, okay, I don't just need one. I'll get it in every color because they're $5 each. Um, Mm -hmm. And they're, you know, made of poor materials. Um, I wanted to say a different word, but I kind of stopped myself. <laughs> you know, they're just, you know, made poorly and they're sourced from uh, a supply chain that does not take care of its, uh, of its uh, workers. Um, and, uh, and so we don't, we don't know that. We just think, oh, yeah, um, I'll just, I'll get this because I can. Um, mm-hmm. but if we first thought, oh, I don't really need five of these $5 t-shirts. I can just get one $5 t-shirt. If we all thought that way, those brands could not survive because they don't live off okay. of you buying one $5 t-shirt. They live off of you buying 25 $5 t-shirts. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they live off mm-hmm. of you, uh, uh, buying more because the only reason that they can price those things so low is they think that you are actually going to spend more thinking that you're getting a good deal. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. The way I explain, uh, cause then you look at these uh, more sustainable brands and I get a lot of people who tell me, well, I can't afford that. I'm like, I know I can't afford that all uh, at the rate of buying five t-shirts. But if I really think about it and I've bought five t-shirts for five dollars from target over the course of a year well that's Mm -hmm. technically 25 dollars of t-shirts when i could have spent 25 dollars on a single white t-shirt from an ethical brand right and of course Mm -hmm. it's like a a markup um but uh it's gonna last me longer and i'll get uh more out of it and that brand's not taking advantage of me as a person um to promote uh this um i mean it's just it's awful i mean it's awful yeah, yeah. and and 20 yeah. people think oh we've made so much progress but what people don't understand in 2020 the um the retail market uh people the the level of consumption went down 89% which oh, meant wow. that those brands were making 89% less when it was the the worst it was they were making 89% mm. less so all of those orders that they had that they had um, projected for the spring and summer, that they had uh, gone to all of their factories and said, "This is what we want. This is how much we need." 
they don't pay up front. They pay when they get it. And they can cancel their order at any moment. Wow. So what the what the um what the factories do is they provide the upfront cost. So they buy all the materials and they hope to God that the um that the company doesn't cancel their order before they get paid. And that's exactly what happened. Um brands like um Forever Twenty One like there's a whole, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, there's a whole yeah, list yeah. of not just Forever 21. Like there's brands that people think, oh yeah, this is a nice brand. It's like, no, they're canceling orders. No. Yeah. And then those, right. those factories are left with clothes they can't sell. And they're the other company's designs. So they can't sell mm-hmm. them to other people. It's, it becomes illegal wow. for them to do anything with those materials. Isn't that awful? That's literally terrible. Yeah. That's insane. And, um, and that's happening now. Like that's what's going on. Um, so when this is a very, this is my, this is my soapbox can of worms, like whatever you want to call it. This is where I just like talk Mm -hmm. and talk. Um, (laughs) but, uh, so that's what is happening beyond just like, also it's extremely wasteful, like extremely wasteful. Um, and at the end of the day, the only way that change is going to happen is if people only buy used clothes. That is not mm-hmm. necessarily realistic for most people. And um, I, I talk a lot about, uh, I don't promote what I, what I have coined as shop shaming. Um, I work at Madewell mm. part-time, uh, mm-hmm. two days a week. And um, that's kind of, that's part of my, I need to get out of the house. I was getting a job there. Um, mm. <clears throat> and um, the, I would say a lot of, like my jeans because I get the discount there. I most of my jeans are made well. They I bought them new. Um but um um you know I usually build my outfit there's like a vintage piece and there's like a newer piece. Right. Yeah. Um mm-hmm. and when I'm done with those things, I usually even my personal stuff, I'll post on my personal Instagram and be like, does anybody want these jeans or I'll drop them off at Play-Dohs. Um or like, you know, you can take them to Goodwill and, and hope that they, they are produ- productive there. But um, <clears throat> so it's it's like so many different ideas pop up in someone's head that are limitations to why do I not have a full circle closet? Like, why do I not have, you know, why don't I not go to thrift stores? Um, and I am, like I said earlier, I'm not the only one doing what I do. And I love the community of online sellers. Um, when you shop from a small business online, you are promoting small business, ethical fashion, um, and uh, and you're shop you're, you're you're shopping usually like a like locally. Uh, so it's kind of awesome <laughs> when you're like yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I heard a little bit, and I, I want to touch on this because it's recently it's kind of popped up. I think um, Instagram is a very interesting place to be a seller right now um, <laughs> because it's kind of turned uh, it's it's had a little bit to be uh, a platform for people to speak up about things that are important um, and mm-hmm. and in so many ways it's been incredible and I have wanted far more to um, kind of push what I have noticed as important on my Instagram but there's so many voices mm-hmm. out there that are needing to be heard over mine yeah. um, 
And so it's been hard to kind of be in this place where you're like, I'm selling on Instagram, but it's also like this really cool platform for um, uh, radical change that's happening. And, Mm -hmm. um, but one thing I've noticed is there's all these um, uh, graphics. People are making these really cute graphics with information and it's, it's branding and then an idea, which is similar to like what, like a company who makes skincare would do is like, you got to mm-hmm. focus on the branding to push your idea. People will believe it more. Mm-hmm. And I've seen a few things on there where I'm like, you know, it's cute, but I don't know how <laughs> true it is. Um, uh-huh. And uh, yeah. there's one that I saw last week and it was like, we need to stop shopping at thrift stores. I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> we need to stop shopping at thrift stores. Um, basically the idea was people who are resellers are taking all the good stuff from thrift stores and marking up the price and selling it for their own benefit, which is not an, like I've heard this idea before. Um, I struggled with that when I first started, I was like, Oh my gosh, like, am I doing something that's actually not good? But when you realize that three, like two thirds of the clothes that go to thrift stores never get sold. Right. And they get, packaged up and um either shipped overseas um to be discarded as waste Mm -hmm. or picked over or they get burned which is really bad for the environment um or they get laid in landfills um so there's definitely enough stuff to go around um there's i really am not worried about um that idea i yeah, like take yeah. From and um, and so, you know, you could shop at that thrift store level. Um, but if you don't find that you like, I know it's extremely overwhelming. I am excited when I go into a thrift store because I get to spend an hour or two in there and I look over everything. And sometimes I walk out with, you know, a hundred dollars worth of stuff. And I'm like, I've the jackpot. Or um, I walk in and I don't get a single thing. So it's like, that's my life. I dedicate my time to it. Um, but I know that that's not what everybody loves to do. Um, and so I would say that if you get overwhelmed at thrift stores or you, um, don't have the time or you go in and you're like, I, what am I going to do this? Or some people just like, I mean, it's kind of gross in there. Like that's fair. Um, (laughs) you know, some people just like, don't want to have to do that. Or like right now it's coronavirus time and stay home as much as you can. So, um, you know, going to a thrift store and spending an hour, um, you know, is not necessarily essential if it's not your job. So um, online shopping, whether it's Etsy or Instagram or Poshmark or Depop or, you know, any of these, um, I would say like promoting those small, those individual people who are putting in that time, putting in that effort, um, you are supporting their small business while also um, they're doing a lot of the work for you. Uh, And Mm -hmm. so uh, I think, I think, I hope that that I talked about like 15 different things right there. It really does all tie in together. Um, Mm -hmm. um, But yeah, I think that, I think I'll stop there. (laughs) Yeah, no, you covered all of it. And that's like perfect timing. Yeah, that was so good. Honestly, I have like, so many other things I want to talk about, but we are 
literally yeah. out of time, which is so unfortunate. Like maybe we'll have to have you back. I would for, love it. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. I love these are, um, this is like my heart. So it's, it means a lot to yeah. me that you guys would um, ask me to, to talk about them. Yeah, no, you've been on our list for yeah. a while. So we were super yeah. stoked that you said yes. Yeah. So. yeah, thank you so much. Yes, absolutely. Um, I don't ever know how to end these things. <laughs> yeah. We don't you know, either. We're still figuring it out. We're just, we're just kind of like, okay, bye. Okay, so thanks for your time. I'll talk to you later. Bye. Um, yeah, no, but um, yeah, um, for our listeners, you guys, if you want to shop with Johnny and Rue or just follow her or ask her questions or whatever I'm like totally just giving you to our <laughs> listeners now but like you can go find her at Johnny and Rue J-O-N-N-I-E yes. correct and then Rue is just are you and that's on Instagram and seriously like she I've bought several pieces from her I loved every single one mm-hmm. of them so big big shout out there but i know you in that green dress i was like oh my god oh my gosh she got that green dress so jealous literally my favorite i so many people were like where did you get this and i was like you're like thanks it's vintage yeah (laughs) literally i was like you can't get it anywhere else (laughs) yeah see that's the other that's another big plus too is it's all usually pretty unique all right guys thank you so much for listening and we love you guys if seriously if you have any more questions i think we might need to do a part two because there were a lot of questions that you guys had specifically about like thrifting and stuff like that that we can get more into and we might have to have ruth back on let us know in our dms i guess if we should do that we've never done a part two have we no we haven't okay well we might have to do one because that was that was great that was so good like i was at a ted talk (laughs) yeah no I literally was like I could just listen all day but um that's yeah that's Ruth Wiggins for you and um I feel like we were also really vibing because she's a four leaning into her one and I'm a one and you're a four so it's like big big four one energy like the whole time but anyway um thanks for listening we love you guys and we will talk to you next week